Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. John and Betty Case have been evangelists and singers for over half a century. Their ministry has been used of God to touch multiplied thousands with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know you will enjoy this message preached in 1985. He titles it, Saved to Serve. for our scripture reading. And by the way, I want you to know I appreciated that message this morning. Psalms 116, and we're going to read our, begin our reading with verse 12. And I'm going to speak to you without the Lord for two hours this afternoon on the subject of save to serve a generation. Not quite that long, I hope. If I go over two hours, I tell you what, you have every right to stand up and wave your hand, but that doesn't mean that we'll end. I want to talk on the subject saved to serve our generation. Really, there's a sense in which sometimes people get the idea that we're saved for the purpose of going to heaven. And that is one of the purposes and reasons why the Lord wants to save us. It's because he wants to take us all to heaven. But it's also true that the Lord saves us because he has a definite work for us to perform. God saves us for the purpose of service. In looking at the Old Testament scripture in the book of Psalms, you'll find it's recorded here where David asks an important question. He says this, What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? And in the scripture reading that we gave to you from the book of Psalms, you'll find he lists there several areas of which he answers that question. He says, What can I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? He said, First of all, I'll take the cup of salvation. He said, I'll be as spiritual as God will make me. He said, I'm going all out for God, and I'm going to be what the Lord wants me to be. Friend, I hope every individual that's been at the altar in this camp meeting has determined that we're going to be as spiritual as the Lord wants us to be. Amen. Amen. You know, some people almost start out with the idea of going back. I met a fellow quite some time ago which I was in his home. This particular individual at that time was on the upside spiritually. And he went over to a shelf and he pulled out from the shelf an old plate. And he said, Preacher, he said, I leave that up there to remind me of where I came from and how the Lord saved me. But it was only about four months later that he was back smoking the same old pipe. I really had an idea that he left it up there with the idea of going back. Friend, I determined a long time ago to follow God all the way. I didn't start out to quit but I started out to be as spiritual as God wanted me to be. And David said, he said, what can I render in the Lord for all of his benefits for me? He said, I'll take the cup of salvation. 
Then you also notice that he said, I'll pay my vows in front of all the people. I'm just going to give myself to do everything I can to testify to everybody of all that God has done for me, and I'm going to live a life so that every individual will know I've been to Calvary. I'll pay my vows in front of all the people. Then help our testimony in our day if we'd all live as honest as we ought to live and pay our vows and do what is right by others around us. We were in a revival meeting and... Uh, we happened to be working with a certain evangelist, and he told this story. He said that he was at the dentist's office in a particular town where he was holding a revival meeting and invited the dentist to come over to the, I guess it was a doctor, invited the doctor to come over to a revival meeting. And the doctor said, Preacher, I'll come over to a revival meeting if everybody in that church that owes me bills will pay their bills. I'll pay my vows in front of all the people. Amen. It'll help our testimony if we'll do everything that we promised people we're going to do. But then in verse 16, I think you'll find that he sums up the entire essence of what he wants to do for the Lord. What can I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? He said, oh, Lord, I'll be your servant. I would that God would help every young person and every middle-aged person and every older person determine that we're going to leave the campground with the idea of going back to be a servant. Amen. Not to go back as a bump on the log or not to go back to batter eyes at the preacher or just go back to fill a certain place or sit in our own pew. And by the way, I believe everybody ought to sit in their own pew. You know, right guard works on the left side as well as the right. I thought I'd let you know. But just not to go back. I can tell some of you didn't catch that one. I'll have to tell you after service what I meant. But really, friends, sometimes it's getting to place in our circles that people just are occupying a place in the church without ever amounting to anything for God. I'll pay my vows, and not only will I pay my vows, but, oh, Lord, what can I render unto the Lord for all of your benefits? I'll be your servant. Amen. God is calling us to service. God is calling us to the area of service that he has for us, and God has a place for every one of us in the kingdom of the Lord. Amen. You say, well, preacher, how do you know that David fulfilled what he promised he was going to do? Acts chapter 13 and verse 36 gives us a fulfillment of that verse, in, of that question. Here's what it says. David served his own generation. Not only did he say, I'll render unto the Lord's service, but David actually got involved and became a servant of God. And all of his days, David was found in the service of the master. God is calling us to do something about service in the day in which we live. Lord, help us in these days to see that there's a host of people that are lost without Jesus. And there's areas of service that need to be rendered within the church. And we're lacking those that are willing to serve. God is calling us to service. Saved to serve our generation. In looking at the subject before us, I first of all want to sort of maybe go on a negative line and ask you, why is it that some professing Christians fail to serve? I think there's two reasons. One is hindsight is often greater than present sight. They're always living in the past and it hinders present service. I've met individuals and that's just what they say. Oh, I thank God for the good old days. And I thank God for the days of revival. And oh, how God used to come. 
and how God used to bless and how God used to have his way. And my most wonderful bank there in those good old days. It was just a wonderful thing that sat out of the presence of God. And they talk about the good old days. But friend, I'm interested in making some good old days for my children now. Amen. Some people live in the past all the time. They always wanted you to know how it used to be, but as a result of their testimony and their essence, they never really amount to anything in the present and in the now. Now, David had a lot of things in his life of which he could have gone around and talked about. For instance, he could have constantly talked about the time that he killed the bear and the lion, or he could have about, talked about the time when he killed the giant. He could have constantly been talking about the battles of the past and talking about all the victories the Lord had done it had done for him in his childhood and his teenage years and therefore talked about the blessings of the Lord and failed to be of service in the present. But David never allowed the past to hinder his present service. And friend, hear me. God wants some people to come up to date in this area of service. It's time to get busy. Souls are dying without Jesus. People are slipping into hell every day. And we need to be about the master's business. On the other hand, while there's some of the church that are always talking about the past, there's also some of which foresight hinders present sight. They're living in the future. Amen. I had a fellow in my church that used to say something like this. Now, Brother Case, after I get my farm all paid for, I'll really be a blessing in the church. I really have determined I'm going to do something after I get my farm paid for. Well, there came the day when he sold his farm and bought a restaurant. And then he said, well, Brother Case, now, after I get this restaurant going good, I'm really going to give myself to service. I got an idea that fellow will always, down through all of his days, be talking about someday I'm going to give myself to service. Someday I'm going to do something for Jesus. Someday I'll really be a blessing in the church. Someday I'm really going to do something when I retire. And then after we retire, we go to Hope Sound, Florida, and sit around all winter without doing anything for the Lord and, and just soak in all the blessings of Hope Sound, Florida. Amen. You know, really, if everybody's skedaddled, I'm talking about older, mature Christians, skedaddled all winter long to Hope Sound, Florida, I tell you, our churches would be in a mess. Amen. God is calling us to service. Amen. You say, but I'm going to retire, preacher. And when I retire, I need to have some time to myself. And I need to change my way of living. I tell you what, friend, when it comes to this business of serving the master and doing something for Jesus, there's no retiring. We're in it until we get to heaven. Amen. Now, David was a man that could see into the future. And here's a good example of a man still in the service. Amen. I appreciate that. But David was a man that could look into the future. If you've read anything of his writings, you know very well that oftentimes he could see into the future and God and the anointing would help him to see events that were going to take place and things that were going to transpire. But David never allowed those things of the future to hinder his present service. Friend, instead of drawing plans all the time, set yourself down and determine, I'm going to do something for God and then get up from there and go do it for the master. The master calls thee. Amen. God is calling us to service. In looking at David's life and considering this business of save to serve our generation, I want you first of all to know the compass and scope of David's service. The same compass and scope of David's service is the compass and scope of our service today. The scripture says David served his own generation. Amen. 
God is calling us to serve our generation. You say, preacher, that's not a very deep thought. I don't know, friend. I think it really includes a lot in our day. God is calling us to serve our generation. Look and consider just a little bit our generation this afternoon. We're, we need to serve our generation. In looking at our generation, they tell us it's the largest generation of all times. The population of the world in Christ's day was smaller than the population of America in our day. In 1835, there were about 1 billion people. In 1935, there were about 2 billion people. In our day, there's over 4 and 1 half billion people. And our generation, they tell us, there's a thousand tribes who have yet to hear of Jesus Christ and his salvation. Yet in 1980, there were 3,500 vacancies on the mission field. What does that tell me? It tells me we have a large generation and a group of people that need Jesus and individuals that need to be saved. And yet we're unconcerned and careless and indifferent until 3,500 vacancies could happen on foreign mission stations. That's to wake all of you up that are sleeping. Amen. It's the largest generation of all times. And yet I'm afraid we're putting very little effort in reaching out to the lost that are all around us and people that need to be saved. A Roman Catholic priest said this, and so you blame this on him. He declared there are 12 million people in America that are ripe for conversion. And yet he said it's to Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons and the isms that are reaching them. And the Roman Catholic priest said the reason was because the church lacks those who are under service. Every pastor that's here this afternoon would testify the same thing. It's the few that will give themselves and the majority that will go and come from the house of God without ever rendering any type of service. Amen. The largest generation. I tell you, if we're going to do something about making inroads in the generation in which we're a part of and this large generation of people that are out Jesus, we need to get busy. Fact of the matter is we're far behind. We're already late in getting started. We're way behind, friend, in this business of doing something about winning souls and doing something about seeing individuals one to Jesus and transformed and delivered by the power of God. We're behind this afternoon. God is calling us to serve this generation, the largest generation of all time. But not only is it a large generation, but also our generation is the most complex generation and probably the most complex of all times. When we're talking about service this afternoon, friend, I'm talking about something that has to do with a little bit of work and labor. We can no longer live with our heads in the sand, but rather we need to find some answers and have some definite beliefs and know what Scripture teaches if we're going to serve our generation. Amen. Oh, preacher, I don't think I have to work hard. I don't really think I have to work hard spiritually to understand Scripture. I think if I just go out there, the Lord will just automatically put something in my brain and help me to speak it out through my mouth, and automatically I'll be able to win souls. I tell you what, friend, we put a lot of effort in our labors as far as careers are concerned. We put a lot of effort in a lot of areas concerning how to cook and how to be a mechanic and everything else. And in the meantime, we're careless concerning doing something about winning souls. In this day, friend, if you're going to face the world of which we're a part and 
went into Jesus, you'd better know some things about Scripture and apply yourself to the study of God's Word and be prepared to go out and do something about convincing them that Jesus is the Christ. Amen. They're not dumbbells out there. We look at them sometimes and say, boy, look at those dummies. They tell us that 80% of all scientists live in our generation. This is a day of education. It's a day of knowledge. It's a day of great abilities. And if we're going to do something about meeting the need of this generation, we're going to have to apply ourselves somewhere along the line and know some things about Scripture and about God's Word and what God wants to do for them and then be able to go out and face them. Amen. And let them know that Jesus can save them. Back years ago, it might have been well to say, the Lord has delivered me. But in our day, friend, you're going to have to have a little bit more than just the Lord has delivered me. Amen. Apply ourselves if we're going to win this generation. And then also in looking at this generation, we're talking about a very permissive and sinful generation. Friend, if we're going to do something about winning this generation, we're going to have to understand that it's not a nice picture that's out there today. Amen. I think there's a sense, and I hope you won't criticize me for saying this, but I believe there is a sense of which we're trying to shut ourselves in with us four and no more and, and have all of our associations within the church and all the people we rub our shoulders with, they need to be in the church. But friend, I tell you, if we stay within the four walls of the church, and in our little cliques and amongst our little people, who's going to go out there and salt the surf? Amen. I'm not interested in crucifying children out in the rough, cool old world. But I tell you, somewhere's along the line, friend, when we become somewhere's near to the adult age, we're going to have to realize it's a cruel, dark, cold world, a world that's full of sin and a world that's in the depths of sin. And it's not a pretty picture out there, but somewhere's along the line, we're going to have to do something about making them our friends and doing something about helping them in the midst of their needs so they know that we care and show them concern and love until we can do something about winning their soul. Amen. It's a sinful generation. I'm not talking about condoning their sin. I'm not talking about engaging in their sin. But I am saying, friend, there are needy folk that are out there of which many times we shun them and leave them alone when maybe they could be delivered by the power of God if somebody would present the gospel. I went to try out at a certain church back years ago. This particular church was in a large city. And uh, after, you know, I preached my little sermonette, the board wanted to meet with me. And you know how it goes. They came up with these wonderful questions. Fact of the matter is, they only came up with one question. Here's what it was. They said, Preacher, if you come here to be our pastor, would you be interested to go down the slums of our city and getting children and bringing them to Sunday school? Well, I had just come from the city rescue mission in Binghamton, and I thought they knew that's where I had come from and all we had were children that came from the slums of the city of Binghamton. They were the ones we ministered to. That was the families that we were trying to reach. And that had been what my work had been involved in. So I thought they wanted the positive answer. I said, oh, yes, I'd be delighted. And, brother, you thought I'd shot every one of them. Their heads went down. 
And one fellow got brave enough to look me in the face and he said, well, Brother Case, what we need in our church is we need somebody with some finances to help us pay the electric bill and to help us do something about remodeling our church and help us pay the bills that are over the parsonage. We need some people that have a little money and really we're a little tired of having this scummy crowd. He didn't call them that, but that's what he meant. He said, this dirty crowd from the slum coming to our wonderful Sunday school and associating with all of our beautiful children. That was a sad thing as far as I was concerned. Do you know what I told that man? I said, then, sir, you're calling the wrong man. Don't even bother to vote. I'm not interested in coming. It was the end of it. Do you know some of those people that we're marking off our list because they're alcoholics or because they're drunkards or because they're involved in immorality or one thing or another, and we say, well, surely God doesn't want them in our church, and we shut them and leave them alone, are the same individuals, if we could only see God deliver them, that you'd be surprised the tithe money that they might have. We cut them off. But I tell you, if we're going to do something about winning this generation, we're going to have to understand it's a permissive society and it's a sinful individual that we're dealing with. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, every one of us would be in the same place today. Amen. I never got involved in a lot of things, and I thank God for it. I appreciate what our sister said the other night about the fact that, that uh, God wants to keep us from sin. You don't have to go to the bottom to sense God's grace and have sweet deliverance and have a wonderful experience in your heart. Hallelujah. I'm tired of having such a testimony being exalted in holiness circles that you've got to go to the bottom and be a drunk and be a dope addict and all the rest. Pray not so. I'm glad to tell you God's grace can keep you from the whole mess and give you a victory in your heart and have you shout on your way to heaven. Young people, don't get involved. Amen. But they're out there in sin. And that's the crowd that Jesus died for and the ones that the Lord wants to save. And then a very serious thought concerning our generation as this, it's probably the last generation. I cannot conceive in my mind time going on too much longer. Our brother exposed this morning some of the wickedness, and he just barely touched the surface of the wickedness that's prevailing in our day and things that are transpiring. And friend, America is bringing the judgment of God upon her with all the permissiveness of sin and ungodliness of our day. I can't help but believe we're living amongst those that are in the last generation wouldn't it be a terrible thing that the early church came out of the upper room with the glory of God and determined to be of service and spread the gospel and gave of themselves to preach to their generation and many were brought into the kingdom and then along with it came the individuals from the Reformation and they preached the gospel and God helped them and people were saved and then revival days, God blessed those men and their ministry and the laymen that prayed and God granted souls and then come down to the last generation and we failed to do something about winning souls. I tell you, sir, we're going to stand as a church before Almighty God and give an account as to what we didn't do in winning souls for Jesus. We'll stand before the judgment and give an account. We're not going to get by, friend. Oh, yes. It's a generation, the last generation. And if we don't do something about winning souls, tell me who is going to be who is there going to be that will be raised up to testify to the lost generation that's around us? Amen. But in spite of all the bad picture, and this is our generation, 
And in spite of the fact of all the bad picture I painted, I wanted you, I wanted you to know this afternoon that God is calling us as a church, God's missionary church. God is calling you and the Pilgrim Holiness Church and any other church and any other individual that testifies to His grace. God is calling us to serve this generation. It's our calling. It's the need of the hour. It's what we need to be doing. It's wonderful to be in camp meeting and praise God and have a wonderful time and shout the high praises of God. And it's another thing to go back with a burden and a care and a concern and do something about winning souls. Amen. You say, I wish I didn't come this afternoon. I don't like missionary services. I tell you what, friend, we're all called to be missionaries and missionary services ought to be the highlight of any camp. Amen. Yes, sir. I'm talking about serving our generation. In looking at the scripture also, I want you to note that David not only started, but actually David completed his service. The scripture says David served his generation, fulfilled the will of God, and fell on sleep. That scripture tells me that David not only started, but David actually got so involved until all of his life, he did the will of God, completed the service that God had given him to do, and when it came time to die, he actually died in a state of going to sleep. That's a little different than what some people are dying in our day. I've stood by the bedside of a number of individuals that were supposedly, and God helped me not to judge, but they were supposedly were be the saints of God in the church and the ones that stood by the stuff, and yet they came down to their death's door, and they were crying, oh, Brother Case, I wish I had gone to the mission field. Oh, Brother Case, I wish I had obeyed God. Oh, Brother Case, I wish I had done more for Jesus. Oh, Brother Case, I wish I had accomplished something for God. Oh, Brother Case, my life has been wasted. I haven't done anything for Jesus' sake. Oh, Brother Case, I'm sorry, but I'm dying knowing that I haven't completed the will of God. I tell you what, friend, that is not the testimony that God wants us to have in our dying hour. Oh, Paul the apostle came down to his dying day and he said I have fought the fight I have finished the course I have kept the faith no looking back and saying I wish I'd preached more sermons I wish I had done more for God I wish I had started more church I wish I had done something more I wish I had given it more than I did no sir he looked back on his life and realized he had fulfilled the will of God yes. amen I tell you friend it's truth this afternoon there are some in our congregation this afternoon if you'd be honest, you'd look back over your life and say something like this. I wish I'd done more. Amen. You say, but Brother Case, don't you understand? I'm looking back and saying I've done my best, but I, I just look back and wish I could have done better. I can understand that. But I tell you what, friend, that's not the majority of our day. We've been careless and indifferent. I'm concerned, filled with lethargy, lukewarmness not willing to step out on the promises of God. When we say we wish we had done more, it's because we're looking back over a wasted life without any effort for God. Amen. Jesus, when he came to his dying hour, he didn't look at the Father and say, Oh, Father, I wish I had performed more miracles. I wish I had preached better sermons. I wish I had done more by the Sea of Galilee. I wish I had walked better and done more for you. No, sir. He came to his dying hour. Know that he fulfilled the will of God. And he said, It is finished. He had completed all that God the Father had sent him to do. And he's our example. And God's calling us to service. And God has areas for us to serve. And we need to do something about completing the service God has given us to do. 
Amen. Yes, sir. He completed his service. This is an old song. I don't suppose we sing it much anymore, but I like it. Let me burn out for thee, dear Lord. Burn and wear out for thee. Don't let me rust or my life be a failure, my God, to thee. Use me and all I have, dear Lord, and get me so close to thee till I feel the throb of the great heart of God and my life burn out for thee. Oh, young people, could I tell you today, there's a place of service in your local church where God wants to use you and a place where you can be a blessing and things you can accomplish for God that others in the church cannot do. And when you find the place where God has for you of service, give yourself to it and do the best you can and give it everything you've got. Put every bit of effort into it and do your best for God. Yes. Amen. I tell the janitor at our church, I told her a number of times, I said, Sister, I want you to know I appreciate you as a, gen as a janitor of the church. And I want you to know that it's just as much a spiritual service to keep the church clean and keep everything nice as it is to be up front preaching. Amen. Friend, if you're called to be the janitor, be the best that you can. Get that old vacuum cleaner out there and go up and down that aisle and sweep and vacuum for the glory of God and shout the praises of God. If you're going to go to washing the windows, washing the best you know how. Give it everything you got. Put some effort into it. Hallelujah. Testing, one, two, three, still working. Oh, friend. If you're going to be a Sunday school teacher, be the best Sunday school teacher you and me. You say, I can't be like brother so-and-so in the church. He's a scholar. He really can do a lot in teaching. I can't do it like he can. God never called us to be like somebody else. I get tired of that, friend. Amen. Oh, friend, you can't copy other people. There may be some that can do the job better. But I tell you what, friend, I'm never going to be caught short. And even though I may not do it as good as Brother Downey may do, and I may not say the words the way he says the word, I want you to know I'll give it everything I've got and put as much effort into it as I can. For the glory of God, we're in the same for God's glory, friend. Hallelujah. Oh, friend, for God's glory. Knowing that someday we'll stand before God and give an account of our lives. Amen. It can be a spiritual thing for a mother to raise your children for the glory of God. Say, I'm just a mom. I'm just a mother in a home. I really don't know that I amount to too much. I tell you what, friend, if you've got one child, two children, or three children, four children, five children, or 12 children, God has called you into an area of service that nobody else in your church can fulfill and raise them for the glory of God and do your best by them. I tell you, and send out a preacher and send out a missionary and send out somebody to do something for Jesus. You'll share in the reward. Oh, friend, put some effort into it. If you're going to be a pastor, be the best pastor you know how. May not be like the former fella. I remember when I went to pastor at Middleburg, a fellow by the name of Joseph Hunting was a former pastor. And some of you that know Joseph Hunting know that he's a very dignified fella. I, I, somebody told me the community said that if he was doing something in the house, and needed a part from the store. And it, he'd take his old clothes off, put on a suit to go down and buy some piece of plumbing and then go back and do the job, changing his clothes back to the old dirty clothes they had. I just never was raised that way, I guess. I've never been developed such a wonderful habit. The lady that lived right next door to us one day really expressed it well. She came out in the backyard and I was playing with the kids in the neighborhood and our kids. I love to play with children. 
and I was out in the backyard. We were playing what they call kick the can. Some of you probably know what it is. It's like hide a gold seat. Only instead of having a tree or something, they take a little can and stick it in a spot. And when you're coming in, if you can get that can and kick it, everybody that's caught can go running and hide again. And so I was enjoying myself. And we were hollering and hooping and having a good time. About 10 o'clock at night. And our houses were pretty close together. And the lady came out and she said, Reverend Case, what's going on? I said, well, sister, we're playing kick the can. She said, you're sure not like Joe Honey. And I said, you're right. God didn't call me to be Joe Honey. Amen. He didn't call you to be somebody else. But God has a place of service for you. And friend, what you need to do is find that place of service, even though it may be small in the sight of the world and the value that the world has. Anything we do for God's glory and every service that we render, God is keeping account and rewards will be given out. And do your best for God that you can. Whatever you're called to do, do it for God's glory. Amen. And then in looking at David's service, I want you to know, not only did he complete his service, but also by the way of challenging us this afternoon, I want you to know there's a cost of service. Amen. I give you that because, friend, it's important for us to understand there's a cost if we're going to be involved in the Master's work. Amen. You can't love the world and desire all that the world has. You can't even really, in a sense, you can't even have a deep love for your family. If, I mean, in the sense of not wanting to break ties if God calls you. We dealt with a young man a while back that wanted to come into New York pilgrims. He wanted to be one of our pastors as long as he didn't go too far from his mother-in-law. I tell you what, friend, it's amazing at the people and the excuses that they give as to why they're in the ministry and where they want to be and all the rest of it. When God called me in the ministry, I determined wherever he wanted me to go, I'd go. Wherever he wanted me to be, I was going to be. And my wife settled the same thing. And it's never been a question as to where. As far as, as location is concerned of our heart, it's always been, Lord, what is your will? And it's still a way to learn this afternoon. Amen. Yes, sir. There's going to be a cost if we're going to give ourselves to service. I think David's cost was he had to give everything that he had, even down to his will. There came a time when David could have said, it's going to be my will. But rather than saying my will, he said, Lord, whatever you will, I'll follow you all the way. I'll be whatever you want me to be. I'd much rather be out tending sheep. I'd much rather any day be an old farmer. But Lord, if you want me to be a king, I'll be the king. Whatever you want me to be, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. We don't sing it anymore like we used to. But friend, when I'm talking about service, I'm not talking about some kind of limited thing, something that has a few restrictions, and a going back, and a doing this and that and the other thing, but rather a selling out completely, soul, body, and spirit, and saying, Lord, I will go. I will be what you want me to be. I will render service and be whatever you desire of me. But it's going to cost you. Yeah. Amen. It'll cost you worldly friends. It'll cost you selfish desires. It'll even cost you sometimes legitimate things. We had an example in our conference of a couple that felt the call of God upon their life and determined in their heart that whatever the cost, they'd be what the Lord wanted them to be. I'll never forget when Brother and Sister Smith mentioned that they felt like God was leading them to mission work. And do you know what they did? They immediately sold their home and sold everything they had. And they went out into some woods that his father had and built them a little shack up in northern New York, no electricity, and a lot of other conveniences they left behind. 
And even though it was two years before they went on the field, they told me, they said, Brother Case, we did it because we realized when we got over in the field, it was going to be hardship and we wouldn't have all the conveniences. And we made up our mind we were going to serve God and we're going to allow one thing to hold us back or anything to keep us from following and fulfilling the will of God. I tell you what, friend, I like the sacrifice of some of our people. Amen. What was it? They had settled it. They were going to go with God. Amen. No matter what the cost. Someone said, young people, there's four things you can do with life. You can, first of all, waste it on sinful desires. Or you can hoard it for selfish ambitions. Or you can invest it in worldly attires. Or you can give it to God. I chose a long time ago to give my life to God and let God have his way. And I said when I surrendered, I said, Lord, thy will be done. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. And it's still true today. Hallelujah. Amen. But it's going to cost to be in the master's service. Amen. I've tried to instill in my boys and in our daughter that the things of time mean absolutely nothing. Amen. I've been in parsonages where the dad will say something like this. Don't be a preacher, son. It doesn't pay much. What makes the difference, friend? It pays an awful lot if you're in the center of God's will. Amen. Amen. I'm putting my treasures up over on the other side. Anyway, what good does it do, friend, to send your kids out to become an accountant or a hundred other different things and all the money that they make if they lose their soul and lose the call of God and the will of God for their life? I tell you, I told my children and tried to instill them, sell out, go with God, give it everything you've got, and don't turn back. Follow the will of God, and there'll be rewards in heaven for the faithful. Amen. It's cost if we're going to follow the Lord. But I would last tell you, friend, that while there's a cost, I want you to know the cross is not greater than his grace. Amen. Find the will of God and follow the will of God and give it everything you've got. And I want you to know this book tells me that God will supply your every need and there'll be grace for every situation. And in the darkest hours of your life, you'll have a helping hand and one that'll walk beside you and one that'll pat you on the shoulder and say, you're my son, you're my daughter, and let you know that he loves you and let you know that he cares for you. And there'll be the warm of the spirit in your soul and the knowledge that you're following God and completing the will of God. I'd rather have the satisfaction of being in the center of God's will and following God every day and all the money Rockefeller and anybody else has. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, sir. The Lord Jesus will be with him in whatever he calls you to do. He'll be with you. Amen. I've got an idea sometimes Thomases would much rather be setting out in Indiana or wherever they're from and have a nice air-conditioned home and all the plush furniture that goes along with it and only work eight hours a day and come back in from his labors and be able to work in his garden and plant her, and she'd be able to plant her flowers and enjoy all the wonderful things of settling down and enjoying the good life. But I tell you what, friend, those things wouldn't satisfy these people for any minute in the world. I tell you what, I tell you in their heart, and I'm determined in my heart, I'll have God and follow his will and be what he wants me to be and go where he wants me to go. In spite of all the things that the world says I'm missing, I want to know I haven't missed anything. Hallelujah. Not one thing have I missed. Hallelujah. I'm feeling better all the time. I'm not even feeling sleepy. How about you? Hallelujah. I feel like sitting right here, sitting right here and having a spell. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let it all go. Amen. Yes, sir. I put my Bible over there. 
Take this along with me. Hey, Amen. Yes, sir, friend. I sold out to go with God. No turning back. No looking back and longing. Hey, Amen. I tell you, no looking back and longing. You say, preacher, you've got it me. Devil never gives you any problem. I told some of them this morning around the table, I fought one of the worst battles this year I've ever fought over this business about whether I'm called to preach or whether I'm where the Lord, where the Lord wants me to be. Hey, Amen. Sometimes I feel like that I'm not called to preach. And other times I feel like I'm not a very good preacher. And probably all of it's true. But I tell you, it's a little brain that I have. I'm trying to seek God's will and follow the will of the Lord. And it's none of the devil's business. I'm giving everything I've got to God and following him all the way. Hallelujah. And having a time of my life. Hallelujah. Amen. In this business of service last, I want you to know it's your choice. We can have all the hot camp meetings in the world. I'm talking about spiritually. And have the presence of the Holy Ghost in our midst. And that helps us in making our choice. But when it all boils down to everything, it's your choice today. Amen. Young person, if you choose to go with God and fulfill the will of God, I want you to know you can have God's will for your life. Your choice. Amen. It's your choice as to whether you're going to follow God's will or not. Amen. Oh, friend, I tell you, it's a sad thing to look at a hole in the circles and see so many of our couples. We had a lady in our church not too long ago. Sidra Fiend said, Pastor, you don't know the background of my life. She said, when I was a teenage girl, God called me to the mission field. And she said, I wouldn't go. I said, I'll never go over there amongst those heathen. She said, I made up my mind I'd never go. But she said, I went out and got married and married a fellow of which he's an alcoholic. And she said, it's literally been hell on earth. But she said, I'm glad God got me back in the kingdom. But she said, there's still something in my heart that makes me say on occasion, I wish I'd gone. I wish I'd fulfilled God's will. I wish I had given my choice to go with God. And friend, I tell you today, there are some sitting in our congregation of which God is calling for service. And God has his hand upon you. And God wants you. And he wants to use you for his glory. But it's your choice. And if you fail to obey God, you'll live to regret it. It's your choice. Amen. I want us to stand this afternoon. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. Awesome.